Thanks for tuning in. I'm Scott Walter. And I'm Michael Watson. In this episode, professional left targets one of the few right-of-center footholds in higher education, and the Washington Post has to correct an editorial. This is the Influence Watch podcast. For years, the Mercatus Center at George Mason University in Northern Virginia has been one of the few right-of-center entities in the notoriously left-wing world of higher education. Because the center has received funding from the libertarian philanthropists Charles and David Koch, whom we discussed in Episode 9, it's long been a target of left-wing interests who seek to tighten their grip on America's youth, despite the fact that all Koch Foundation giving to higher education amounts to less than two one-thousandths of one percent of the total charitable giving to higher ed. Now, a campaign by far-left interest groups called Uncoke My Campus thinks it's finally broken through and targeted the Mercatus Center for its hiring practices. But when the Washington Post editorial board fell hook, line, and sinker for the left's campaign, the newspaper ended up with egg on its face and had to clarify its false accusations that the Cokes had the power to have the school fire professors. Uh, well, Mike, let's start with the Mercatus Center. What is the Mercatus Center? So the Mercatus Center is a libertarian free market uh, think tank that is associated with and housed by George Mason University. George Mason University is a public university uh, in the northern Virginia suburbs of Washington. Uh, and for years and years, uh, the economics department at George Mason has been sort of a haven for classical liberal libertarian uh, econo you know, economists. Uh, sure, including some Nobel Prize winners. Including as well. uh, the public choice theory guy. Uh, 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 James Buchanan. James, yes, James, but I James, believe James also Buchanan. the first one in behavioral economics. Uh, the first economist who specialized in behavioral economics to win a Nobel Prize, and I'm going to forget his name. I but, Buchanan. Buchanan was the one that I knew yeah. whose name. Nope, there's name, also that name eluded me. But uh, uh, and the I believe Walter Williams. Walter, uh, Walter Williams is not there, a Nobel Prize winner. Not a Nobel but, Prize winner, but, but, a, famous, but a, a prominent, uh, prominent pl uh, political commentator, um, Don Boudreau, who blogs on free trade. Uh, Tyler, run by Tyler Cowen. Tyler Cowen, who runs the uh, who runs the Mercatus Center, uh, is a uh, notable blogger. Marginal Revolution. His co-blogger Alex Tabarrok. Uh, so to say that Mason and Mercatus, that Mason, the economics department, is a haven for libertarians makes sense. Then that you would then have an appended uh, libertarian think, you know, essentially libertarian think tank. Um, yep. And we should add in full disclosure that on the Mercatus board is one Ed Meese, the, uh, who served as attorney general under President Reagan, and he also serves on our board. That is, uh, that is correct. And I, just as an aside, I would point out that when you have a, that it's not uncommon for a school's economics department to be of especially if you're an economist who doesn't fit into the sort of mainstream, quote-unquote, neoliberal, center-left, uh, new Keynesian economics mainstream, that there are, you know, single schools that are kind of hotbeds. And one of the, you know, the analog on the extreme left 
uh, is the University of Massachusetts Amherst, which is a notorious haven for Marxists, Marxians, the quote-unquote post-Keynesians, which is a way for Marxists to call themselves something other than Marxist, but be Marxists. Uh, And I believe there is a prominent funder of the University of Massachusetts uh, Amherst Economics Department. Yes, Uh, yes. the Political Economy Research Institute, where all these guys, hang, where all these uh, super extreme left wing guys hang out, uh, is funded by Ben Cohen, who you may know as the Ben in Ben and Jerry's. Uh, when the uh, the far lefties at UMass Amherst released a study that called into question uh, a finding that had been cited by uh, back in back in the before times, the long long ago when. Uh, Republicans and conservatives pretended to care about the national debt. There was a, a study by Ken Reinhardt and Rogoff that suggested that if your debt to gross domestic product ratio exceeded 90%, that your rate of economic growth slowed. There were a couple of technical problems with the study that were discovered by these left wingers at UMass Amherst. Uh, the Washington Post did not condemn Ben of Ben and Jerry's for providing funding and free ice cream to the research assistants at UMass Amherst. Yes. And I want to throw in, it's not an econ example, but uh, of the countless examples across America of this kind of arrangement where there is uh, a sort of appended, often an independent 501c3 uh, uh, think tank or institute appended to some part of a university, one of the ones that, uh, that I immediately think of is um, the Center for Human Values uh, at Princeton University, which uh, did the world the great favor of taking Peter Singer, then a f- somewhat obscure Australian philosopher, and sticking him at one of the f- uh, finest universities in the world, Princeton. Um, he would never have been able to be even be, be taken on by the regular philosophy department faculty, but this independent center was able to bring him on campus. And then, of course, he offered to teach a course or two for the department and lightening the load of professors who already typically don't work especially hard by comparison to the coal miners whom they look down upon. Uh, they they were happy to have that. And now whenever you see uh, Peter Singer, uh, it's a as Princeton ethicist or Princeton philosophy professor. Uh, he, of course, is best known for his endorsement of uh, bestiality, though he is also an animal rights uh, pioneer. Yeah, he's the he is the he wrote the book on quote unquote animal liberation, the ideology of people for the ethical treatment of animals. Yes, a, na- a nasty group that is a digression. Not <laughs> yes. that I could go on for a long time. <laughs> and he also is famous for his endorsement of uh, infanticide, and though he insists it's not exactly the same thing as the Nazi infanticide. Um, it's not very clear it's, why it's not, but he it, insists it, when, it's not. When, when Parker and Stone, in early, early in the run of South Park, uh, uh, the mother of Eric Cartman uh, sleeps with then-President Bill Clinton and gets him to endorse 36th trimester abortions, <laughs> that's the sort of thing that Singer is talking yes. about. Well, because, yes, the very last, <laughs> the very last bit would be he also, uh, as a Princeton ethicist, <clears throat> has no issue with necrophilia, provided it is consensual. So it's a shame he didn't have a law degree. Eric Schneiderman could maybe use him for his defense <laughs> team. But anyway, uh, now, let, to get it back to the, the current controversy, though, what is uh, the actual issue being uh, fought over at George Mason and the Mercatus Center right now? Right. So 
the Charles Koch Foundation, which is the one of the philanthropic organizations associated with Charles Koch, who is one of the quote-unquote Koch brothers, uh, both uh, industrialists in the uh, basically any sort of manufacturing, they, they do some chemicals, they do some resource extraction, they make certain paper products. Um, but the Charles Koch Foundation gave gives money to the Mercatus Center. The Kochs are known for being ideological libertarians. Uh, keeping ideologically libertarian economists employed is something that an ideological libertarian philanthropist might be interested in. Uh, as a provision of their grant in what was at the time apparently consistent with the usual practice for grant makers in higher education, the Charles Koch Foundation got a seat on the search committee for professors to be associated with Mercatus. And, and here's where the, where the weird tricky bit comes. The Charles Koch Foundation had some say over dismissing a scholar from the Mercatus Center. Enter this group called Uncoke My Campus and Transparency GMU. The two are interrelated. The founder of Transparency GMU now works for Uncoke My Campus. Uh, they are associated with extremist elements of the left. Uh, Greenpeace claims credit for having convened it. It was there is some evidence that it was financially sponsored by the Center for Media and Democracy, whose attacks on business interests we discussed in episode ni- nineteen with uh, yes. with Mr. Meyerling of the American Legislative Exchange Council. Yeah, they also are uh, run the the website Coke Exposed, attempting to uh, smear any entity right, that's right. Any, ever any, received any, Coke any entity that's ever been associated with yep. them. And and again, the the the, the reason is. The, the motivating factor behind the Center for Media and Democracy is to drive all business and center-right interests out of the political space, giving the entire field to the left. Uh, now they are f- uh, fiscally associated with a Naderite group, the Essential Information, which has a fair, which has a you know not terribly informative website uh, about yes, well, about it, what it, it is. It's really, a, I, it was started back in the '80s by Ralph Nader, a uh, long, long time left wing activist, sometime presidential candidate, uh, and it, it's the sort of thing that uh, looks like it's probably kept in somebody's back drawer in the office, so that from time to time, if from you time, need from to time do to time, you need, you need to do some pass through fiscal sponsorship. You don't want to associate formally with. With an, with an organization that you can run it through, run it through this 501c3, get your already existing tax deduction, and not have to file a new report with the IRS. Yeah. And we should say, if you happen to be a conservative who does this, then that is dark money and a threat to the yeah, Republic. Um, somehow the And darkness, the Center for Media and Democracy will come after you. Yes. Even while they're taking dark money. <laughs> yes, exactly. But this little uh, convenient um, <laughs> money flow has not been attacked by CMD or the Washington Post or Greenpeace I, or anyone else. CMD is probably, CMD may be participating in it. As Can dark I, money, um, yes. But oh, oh, now, to be fair to our friends at Uncoke My Campus, uh, because one of the more prominent Greenpeace employees um, who's uh, one of the main adjectives connected with it, uh, he and his friend Jane Meyer of The New Yorker uh, would want us uh, to say that the Capital Research Center 
has received Coke money. They didn't bother to look to see if we'd received any for some years. We've been a number of years since any Coke entity has been has given us money. Uh, though I would add, I'm I'm happy to endorse any check they they care to send. Um, but it is true that that. In past years, we have, in fact, received ourselves Coke money, though not in 2015, 2016, 2017, or thus far in 2018. Um, so just to let you uh, keep, keep going there on our, on our Uncoke uh, the Campus. Folks. Sure. Um, so then, so after, so they file, in, again, in a standard tactic that's been used by the Center for Media and Democracy for years and years, especially against... Uh, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is a free market state level think tank that has associations with state legislators. So what CMD does is files FOIA, files open records requests with all the state legislators um, and then, you know, releases all the documents and says, oh, this isn't this horrible. Uh, so they did the same thing with George Mason because George Mason is a public is a public university uh, to get any, you know, all communications related to grants from the Coke, uh, grants from the Koch Foundation and the Mercatus Center. And they then took it to the Washington Post. Uh, and the Washington Post put out this, this expose about how the nefarious Koch brothers were uh, manipulating our children. And in their assessment, they got something wrong. And in, they got it wrong in a staff editorial, in the voice of the newspaper. Uh, they got something wrong. And that was they claimed that the Kochs that the Koch Foundation had the ability to fire and deny tenure to professors at George Mason University. That is, uh, that is not accurate. That was never accurate. Uh, the Washington Post had to issue a clarification, which is what newspapers call corrections these days, uh, and say, oh, no, 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 that, that uh, provision only applied to scholarship at the Mercatus Center, which is a separate, which is a separate but hosted entity, not George Mason University itself. Yes. So uh, now um, the uh, the other, the, other, the, the, uh, the, yeah, the other, the other, so, group, the other source that mm-hmm. the Washington Post to, to get an idea of how you know the the president of the United States often unfairly accuses the media of being fake news. If you want to know how media bias really operates, this is actually a good case study. The, a far left, a like extreme left group, a front, essentially a front of Greenpeace, gives opposition research to the Washington Post, who then calls up another liberal organization, the Professors Union, Virginia, is one of these civilized states that prohibits public public employees from collectively bargaining uh, so that they may minimize their conspiracy against the public. Uh, So they go to the professor's union, the American American Association of University Professors, get comment from the AAUP to have an idea about how left-wing the AAUP is as it immediately relates to George Mason after the death of Associate Justice of the Supreme Court Antonin Scalia. Uh, A donor offered... Uh, I think it was $30 million total. Many uh, millions. Yeah, very, a fairly large sum of money uh, to name the law school uh, at George Mason after, after Antonin Scalia, as the Antonin Scalia Law School. Uh, the AAUP condemned this and thought it was a threat to academic freedom. Yes. I, I would also add that the AAUP, back when Occupy Wall Street was festering in various uh, public parks, the AAUP... Uh, heartily endorsed 
the, the Occupy Wall Street folks, but I actually think there's some justice and a propriety in that because if you ever saw one of the Occupy Wall Street protesters have a microphone put in front of him and Right, then, unless they unless they were an SEIU spokesperson, they tended to blab they tended to blab incoherently. Yes, they, they could not form coherent sentences despite being recent university graduates with whose main gripe I think was that they had large loans I, they had to repay. They they did not they did not get their student loans worth. <laughs> yes. So the inability to form a coherent sentence to explain why you're in a public park um, protesting is a beautiful tribute to the work of the American Association and, of and University And more institutionally, the American Federation of Teachers who probably who uh, may have represented their uh, K-12 educators and a number of chapters of the AAUP are associated with the our local unions of the AFT. I do not know where the George Masons is because, of course, Virginia is one of those states that does not allow the does not allow its government workers to form a conspiracy against the public and collectively bargain. Yes. Well, let's let's dig a little more into the the fine folks that uncoke my campus. It, it is a great uh, example of the kind of way that the left works. You first of all, you talked about this sl- slipping the oppo research to the mainstream media, who then treats it as gold, even though it turns out to be grossly inaccurate. Um, but you also talked about how Uncook My Campus is really basically a front for a, for a Greenpeace effort. We noted again that this gentleman who's so uh, uh, so exercised right. about and the, us and, and the, and is one in of, fact one an of the, employee of Greenpeace. R- right, and one of the co-directors, uh, Laura Berger, I think is her name, uh, used to work for Greenpeace and uh, may have, there is some evidence that she did, although her LinkedIn is no longer matches the screenshot that we were, that we were given, uh, may have worked for the Center, and Me- Center for Media and Democracy until... Oh, wait a minute. You mean there's a lack of transparency among these people? I, well, they, it get, there's more lack of transparency. We'll get there because the, uh, you know, in, in the web archive, uh, now, if you are a contributor for MSNBC, you may believe that the web archive has been corrupted by nefarious hackers who have yet to be identified. But uh, generally, the web archive uh, accurately captures pictures of, your, of, of all the Internet uh, in, 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 its, in its history. This is part of why the Internet is forever. Uh, the Uncoke My Campus used to have a partners page. Uh, really? A partner's page? A partner's page. Uh, now it doesn't. Hmm. Well, another little lack of transparency there. <laughs> I wonder why they would be taking that out. That's a, that's a fascinating question. But well, the- and, and it might have something to do with the fact that in 2015, the Washington Free Beacon called up. On, in, in a, there was a round of Uncoke My Campus activity uh, centered around a Center for Public Integrity, very, very nonpartisan group that's funded by all the left-wing foundations, including those associated with George Soros, the Ford Foundation, all the bi- all the big ones. Uh, that was condemning, you know, that was condemning. Oh, you know, the the interference of the of the Cokes in higher education, uh, citing Uncoke My Campus and uh, the Washington Free Beacon, a conservative online journalism outfit, called them up. And they were referred to Greenpeace. <laughs> so Greenpeace were the spokesmen for Uncoke My Campus. But but I don't understand because, of course, again, this is the, the classic left-wing scam. Uncoke My Campus is entirely a grassroots, student-led, student-generated. Gosh, we're, well, wait a minute. Yeah, There's students, some other area. I, such, recently, such, I've been thinking students did everything <laughs> on their own, grassroots. It all just burst up from the, the lowest of levels. One of my profound beliefs about political activism in the 21st century is that the grassroots do not exist. <laughs> this is why. <laughs> the, uh, well, now, let's get back to our friends at the Center for Media and Democracy. 
um, which is a Wisconsin-based left-wing uh, group that attacks conservative groups like the Kochs, like uh, American Legislative Exchange Council, uh, like the coal miners that, as I said, apparently don't have to work nearly as hard as university professors. Um, uh, tell us a little bit more about the role of Center for Media and Democracy in all this. So there's some evidence that at one point, Uncoke was fiscally sponsored or fiscally or handled the finance, the Center for Media Democracy handled the finances for Uncoke before it got shuffled over to this essential information, essentially pass throughish group. Uh, the former executive director of Center for Media and Democracy, who is now a senior fellow there and now runs her own, uh, I think we can call it a political consultancy. Yeah, well, sort of for, it appears to be a for-profit oppo research firm. I yeah, think. there's so. sort of a, fusion, a wannabe Fusion GPS kind of uh, for, for-profit oppo political consulting firm. Uh, this is not the first time, by the way, that a supposed, watch, supposed liberal watchdog has gone off and done this sort of thing. Melanie Sloan of Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington uh, did it back in 2015. Um, but Lisa Graves, lots of ethics, lot, lots of ethics, just like at Princeton. Um, Lisa Graves, uh, formerly CMD uh, executive director, now senior fellow, also runs this for-profit uh, Fusion GPSE type organization. Uh, apparently, for-profit Fusion GPSE type organization uh, sits on the advisory board of of Uncoke My Campus. Uh, and again, like like I said, we had we have reason to believe, uh, although the the LinkedIn page has now been scrubbed of any mention of the Center for Media and Democracy that Lindsey Berger, the co-director co- of the Uncoke My Campus campaign, uh, does or did work for Center for Media and Democracy. Yep. Well, I also want to get back to the AAUP, American Association of University Professors. Um, it's richly ironic that they are denouncing uh, these uh, the the Koch brothers philanthropy in higher ed, which as we said is zero point zero zero one five percent of all charitable giving to higher ed, which means that's not counting your tax dollars, which are right. That does that doesn't that doesn't that larger. doesn't include the percentage that is supplied by the feds, that is supplied to state universities by the states, that is supplied yes. to municipal universities by 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 um, cities and counties. Yes, a juggernaut they are not. But uh, American Association of University Professors, so they have a long history of getting grants from, uh, you mentioned George Soros, also the Ford Foundation, which is prob- arguably the most influential donors to higher education of all time, and we'll get into that. But I just want to pick one uh, example of Ford's. Uh, some Ford program officer invented something called the Difficult Dialogues Initiative. And we can all guess what sort of dialogue they wanted to institute uh, and initiate in higher education. It was about all the standard race, gender, class stereotypes and all that wonderful left-wing uh, silliness. What, that one, helped... what one might call identity studies. <laughs> yes. So so they were, they were keen to do that uh, a few years back. And AAUP did not object to this gigantic donor that can that was it ten times more than Cokes in higher ed giving something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, something, some, on, something on the order of ten. Um, vastly bigger uh, and more influential than the Cokes in higher ed. And the AAUP not only didn't call up the Washington Post to denounce this, but let's see, it devoted an entire issue of its magazine to laudatory articles on the initiative, guest 
edited by the academic who administered the initiative. Oh, wait, that means there was a professor in cahoots with this, this giant foundation. <laughs> wait, you're telling, um, me, you're, te you're telling me a labor union is happy that a big pile of left-wing money is going to hire a bunch of labor union members? Is that what you're telling me? Very hard to believe. But, and the final beautiful thing here is AAUP hired that same man afterwards to be its general counsel. Um, now, if you're wondering about what kind of wonderful, uh, nonpartisan, nonpolitical, highest standards of disinterested research, the Difficult Dialogues Initiative funded by the Billionaire Ford Foundation entailed, here's one little snippet of uh, from its mission statement with its goals. Um, to facilitate difficult dialogues among LGBT academics and their allies in Virginia about potential strategies and priorities in the ongoing fight for legal equality, so politics and lawsuits, and to use and disseminate pedagogical tools that help form progressive coalitions in the Virginia Commonwealth. Progressive coalitions in the Virginia Commonwealth. Sounds like political organizing to me. <laughs> uh, it certainly does. Uh, and billionaires doing it through your public universities. Well, in it's, I, I mean, and it's not. I mean, the sad thing is, it's not even billionaires. It's dead billionaires who did who wanted. You know, the the Ford found the Ford in Ford Foundation is Ford like the car company. It is. It is the the Fords of until I think fairly recently of the car company. Uh, but once they let their, once they put their money in, into this per perpetually existing foundation, it took on a life of its own. There's a, I, f I forget the name of the principle, but there's a, there's a, one of those like slogans is that any organization that is not, uh, explicitly conservative becomes liberal over time. And yep. the and the the name the name of that razor is escaping me. The, it's uh, so it's one of the National Review's Hanlon? editors. Is, uh, is that the, Hanlon's razor? I, I no, don't know. No, no, it's it's not it's not a razor. It's it's a law uh, named for <laughs> one of one, a past National Review editor. Uh, the O'Sullivan's O'Sullivan's law. O'Sullivan's law. O'Sullivan's law. There you go. <laughs> James, named after James O'Sullivan. Uh, well. Uh, Let's let's hit a few more of these fine left wing organizations. Now, you, you, we talked about Center for Media and Democracy, uh, and I forget now if you mentioned that. Of course, again, Ford Foundation has generously supported them, as Ford, has Tides Foundation. The, their, one of their biggest supporters is the Park Foundation, which is dedicated to basically ending all exploration for natural gas in the United States. Uh, Despite the fact that every single member of its board actually heats his home in a lush, of, I, I believe, it, I, be, I believe, as gas. of 2013, yes, that was that was <laughs> the. Uh, I believe that was also a Washington Free Beacon find. Uh, no, I don't think they were or, the first ones, but they may, but, okay, they, but, they may, uh, may not have been the finders. They may have been the reporters. Um, and then they have also taken money for, from the Tides Foundation, which is a liberal ideological dark money organization. Yes. Uh, so. Well, you know that's a that's a real coincidence because you mentioned the other the 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 pass through we know is a pass through for certain of uncoked my campus and that would be the essential information five hundred one c three that Nader started and you know what they have received Tides Foundation money oh and I see they've also received Ford Foundation money and JM Kaplan and, Fund and money Jam Kaplan Fund. Yep. that's just shocking because. Uh, because it would be wrong, I think, if, if any donor had anything to do with higher education. Yeah, I'm starting to think that that's not what they actually believe. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, now, to be fair, I have to say, 
I'm not sure on balance if America would be worse off if all <laughs> philanthropists of all stripes ceased to give any money whatsoever to our higher education system. I think that's a debatable point given this current state of it, but but we'll leave that for, a, for another that, that's, show. That's a debate for another time. Uh, oh, gosh. But, you know, there's another interesting thing here is there is money coming from the American Federation of Teachers to yes, the, the parents the parents of the, a, the the parents of a number of AAUP chapters, uh, the American Federation of Teachers, give gave Uncoke ten thousand dollars. So back to my story about the Post. When the Post calls up the a, the George Mason AAUP for comment on what Uncoke did, <laughs> on what on what Uncoke found, oh. that's. Basically like calling Uncoke to comment on Uncoke. Well, now, but wait a minute. <laughs> These people are champions of transparency, so I'm sure that Uncoke and the AAUP did immediately notify everyone that they have this incestuous relationship, right? Uh, I'm not certain of that, but I know we know because the government—I know we know the AFT funds Uncoke— because the government makes them disclose it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing the government makes uh, puts into public disclosure is how the American Federation of Teachers is one of the top ten donors uh, in American politics. The the Open Secrets folks do uh, have a beautiful chart of the largest organizational uh, donors. Yeah, so since since nineteen since nineteen ninety. So every two year cycle from nineteen ninety to twenty sixteen. And as as of very recently they were in the top ten. Yeah. And you know who was not in the top ten were Charles and was Coke David. In, was Coke Industries, which Coke. is the <laughs> They were not in the top ten. So uh, which takes us back to the to the broader point that uh, it's a, a classic example of, you know, the the left has for years put American higher education under assault with its money and ideological pushing. And then when somebody on the opposite side of the spectrum begins the tiniest little defense against that assault, they are accused of assaulting uh, right. higher education. So, uh, and I, speaking of which, I don't think this is nearly well enough known, and that is the, you know, if you've ever seen some poor graduate of college with a women's studies degree, uh, head filled with amazing nonsense and, uh, and highly ideologized and politicized, you should know that the very idea of women's studies was hatched inside the Ford Foundation. There was no women's studies department in America until some enterprising, entrepreneurial Ford Foundation program officer dreamt it up. Yeah, and it shows quite clearly that the shock horror that the Washington Post, that the, uh, again, the far left Greenpeace, I mean, when I, I say uncoke my campus, I mean Greenpeace, uh, the, that they're trying to, to generate is not, it's not about transparency. It's not about uh you know, it's not about academic freedom. It's about making sure that business in, business interests, free market interests, no, they are not identical. Don't you know the ideological libertarians should put your, put down your pitchforks. Uh, in this case, you guys are in the same boat. Business interests, ideological, uh, free market interests, social conservative interests, although they're not present in this debate, are pushed out even from their little footholds, even from, you know, again, I 
perfect perfect analog is the commies at UMass Amherst. The Washington Post is not going after the commies at UMass Amherst. <laughs> the Washington Post is happy that there are commies, or Dylan Matthews, who is now at Vox, was happy that there were commies at UMass Amherst uh, who were able to catch these technical errors in that Reinhard Rogoff paper that I discussed earlier. The notion that you know that they should be driven out would be a horror. That would be McCarthyism. That would be that would be textbook McCarthy. That would be textbook academic freedom. The end of academic freedom. Textbook McCarthyism. When Greenpeace comes along and engages in like mirror bizarro world McCarthyism, which is essentially what's going on here, then the Washington Post is putting its own credibility at risk in order to sidle up to it in order to 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 lead the in order to lead pile the on in order to, I, I, I think pile on the carry right the flag word. whatever your whatever yes. your slogan is yeah and then let's remember too that by you know the 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 other thing that the ford foundation has done um that's huge multiple things to, to rattle off walter olson uh wrote a wonderful piece for capital research you can find it at capitalresearch.org on the way Ford transformed law schools. Again, literally inventing just about uh, an entire area of the law, namely the public interest law firm, uh, which often is connected to clinics uh, on law school campuses. You know, the, the Ford Foundation's influence on law schools in America is staggering. There isn't, they're not just the, the t number one, there isn't even a two, three, four, or five by comparison uh, on law schools. And in fact, that was almost not, the IRS, they were scared the IRS wasn't even gonna allow public interest law firms because suing people had not hitherto been known as a charitable act that a 501c3 charity could do. But anyway, so there's that. The other thing to say is, the, uh, you know, the the absolute worst thing that the Kochs were accused of in George Mason, as we keep pointing out, they actually weren't doing this and didn't right. have the power to do it, and the Post had to... Uh, had, to, had, clar to, had to clarify, clarify because its, newspapers don't issue corrections anymore. Yes, it's gross error on this. But the, this, the greatest thing was that the Kochs had had the power, though nobody even began to say that they'd ever used it, and in fact they didn't even have it, to get somebody fired. Well, uh, and less bad than that, that they might have had some influence on no, who, yeah, was, tenured, on who tenured, was hired. Tenured, tenured so decisions. here's the thing. What is the most powerful outside influence? Well, outside, uh, not, not, no longer outside, but the, mo the most powerful pervasive thing in the hiring and firing of teachers on America's college campuses. That would be the efforts at so-called affirmative action on those campuses. Now, the Ford Foundation, as we said, they have created the women's studies side of things, which is a massive influence on hiring and 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 other and tenure and other personnel policies. The Ford Foundation also essentially created the uh, uh, Hispanic rights movements back in the '60s, creating some of the most prominent of the of the uh, interest groups in that world. Um, they've also funded all kinds of other flavors, LGBT and uh, and African American and all the rest. The influence that affirmative action policies pushed by the left has had on campuses is gigantic. In their wildest dreams, the Kochs couldn't imagine having that kind of influence and have certainly never sought it, much less are any are in any danger of acquiring it. Yeah, and, and, whether, and whether you think what the what Ford did back in the '60s was proper or not, the extent the extent of influence 
is is the you know is, is the story the you know again Greenpeace on Coke My Campus uh, are claiming that higher education is being corrupted by the relatively trivial amount of support that the Charles Koch Foundation is giving to free market centers, most prominently Mercatus. Meanwhile, over a period of half a century, left-wing interests, most prominently the Ford Foundation, have fundamentally reoriented law schools, uh, certain undergraduate programs, you know, invented the notion of these identity studies. That is influence. And the only reason that you would say one is a problem and the other isn't is if you didn't like the other for ideological reasons, which Greenpeace, you know, to, to give away the store, that's what Greenpeace is after. You, you, sorry, you mean their front group, Uncooked uh, yes, by Campus? Yes, excuse me, their front, their front group, Uncooked by Campus. There we go. Well, that, that will let you have the last word for this week. Uh, that's our show. And if you are listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, know that we broadcast a live video version of this podcast at 10 a.m. on Thursdays on Facebook Live and YouTube. You can find our pages by searching for Capital Research Center. And if you're watching the video version, we encourage you to subscribe to the audio on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next week.